Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon. We are a twice-weekly podcast dedicated to celebrating the two beautiful-to-live radio shows slash podcast. On Saturday mornings, we have a guest on to talk about the relationship with TBTL. You just got the lovely and talented lady scientist, Kelly McBride-Folkers, on Saturday, but now it's Monday. So here comes a full recap of last week's shows to tide you over until the fresh TBTL comes out later today. I can't do this show all by, my, all by myself, and Christy and Jeremy are off at a gay wedding, which they seem to go to a gay wedding just about every weekend. So I've drafted our best producer, by far our best producer, Bobby Pape, to join me for the recap this week. Hello, Bobby. How are you finding Providence, Rhode Island this evening? Providence, Rhode Island is rainy this evening as it is many evenings, but I'm glad to be here even if only by process of elimination. <laughs> well, um, I think you're you're the number one backup for Christy. I just don't think I would ever uh, share a microphone with just Jeremy. I just don't think that's that's ever going to happen. Hopefully, he'll never get back on the show anyway. But uh, but you're you're the number one. You're the first person we thought of, and you follow the show probably as closely as anybody I know. So I think I think you're a good partner in this sausage fest. Well, I'm glad to be here. I wouldn't miss it. All right. So um, since Christy's not here, there'll be no Christie's Corner tonight. I have a couple pieces of LRB business to take care of. The Week in, the week in Review, of course, will be yours. We've uh, picked a clip of the week, uh, which is a pretty interesting one. Not the funniest thing that happened this week, but definitely interesting. We'll let you know how to get involved. And uh, we've got just a tiny bit of housekeeping to do tonight. First to the LRB business. Um, last week, we assigned Jeremy to listen to the show because Christy and I did not. Jeremy has been an 11 for many years. He met Christy at a uh, at a TBTL gathering, but he had not listened to the show. Um, he listened intermittently, and of course, he heard when he edits you know, uh, some of our shows, he hears us talking about it. He finally listened for a whole week, and he is hooked, completely hooked. Yeah, the first fix is always free, and uh, it worked. <laughs> it's fantastic. And we will let you know what cemented it, because on, on Friday, something really cemented Jeremy's listenership. Um, he's, he's, he's a 10, ride, ride or die forever now for, for big Jeremy. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up, uh, we didn't get a chance to do it on the Saturday show, because that was taped previous to the last recap. So we got a little bit ahead of ourselves. So this is the first show we've done since we sort of burned the stems to the ground um, on on last week's recap. Um, I do apologize for the tone of the show. I realized through messages that were sent to me privately and then some people that decided to just go public with their displeasure over it. I realized that the tone of the show was a little bit uh, angry, dismissive, um, and, and you know that – it was not my intention. Um, I do have sort of a little bit of an abrasive personality when it comes to stuff like this. I promise I'll tone that down in the future on the stands because if this week has taught me nothing else, it has taught me that there's no change in that page. There's just no change in it. It's it's exactly the same as it was seven days ago. So um, it, I'll continue to enjoy what I enjoy and try to let the things that bother me bother me less. Um, Bobby, you listened to that show and you also got involved in the comments. What was your impression of the way it was handled um, and 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 what's gone on in the aftermath? I think because I know you, Mike, and because we share a similar disdain for the 
sort of overrun on the Stens page of all of these not quite related things. Um, it's a bittersweet situation. I mean, I think we're as glad as anyone that the Stens page has really blossomed into a place where so, so many people uh, land every day and interact. And if Jen Andrews was on Facebook, she would be really proud of us for curing world loneliness. Um, but at the same time, uh, she would be devastated at the lack of order in the conversations there. So I think as someone who knows you and appreciates your pain, your frustration came to a head. And if other people knew the lead up to that, uh, they might be more understanding. I think the tone was just unfortunate because of a lack of context. Um, but I think most people understood just that, um, it's been so overwhelming lately to find the things you're looking for there or to have a, a full discourse without it getting broken up by a GIF or a random link to a petition. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think most people understood it and maybe just were a little off put by the town, but the message was right. And uh, I think a lot of people appreciated that. I know I did. And I'm sort of glad it opened up a conversation about that before it was immediately, uh, you know, washed away in a sea of rainbows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that was good. If we're going to get washed away by anything, the events of this week made it fine for me. But but you're right. I let it um, boil too long because a lot of people would message me privately and say, what is going on with this page? It's a mess. You know, you need to fix it because everybody knows I'm an admin. Um, so all all we were able to even try to do to fix it was to make it so um, the admins had to approve the posts, which in the past we just, you know, if something really went wrong, like someone was selling sneakers or, you know, some some <laughs> conversations would get out of line, we would just go back and delete. But we weren't regulating posts now. We're approving the posts, but I I don't have the heart to not approve anyone's posts. Even if the gig harbor gondolier came back, I'd probably approve it because <laughs> I just I mean in in the moment I was angry and upset when we were talking about it. But outside of that moment, you know I feel for people. You know they have something that's relevant to them and and they they want to share it. And you know who am I to stop it? So if you see no no change on the Stens page, it's kind of my fault because I did all this big talk and then, you know, I turned out I didn't want to be a tyrant. So, well, I think there are some lessons that a lot of us took away from this. If there's a conversation you want to be a part of, check to see if it's already something that started before you jump in with a post. And beyond that, just be nice. You know, there are so many people and the other 863 TBTL based fan pages and groups don't get as much traction as the Stens page. So, you know, we just have to live with our success a little bit. Mm -hmm. And to to those that that were upset uh, with with the way I handled it or Christy handled it, um, you can message me. Christy's very sensitive about this stuff, and you know, I'll get her the message if she needs to get. But if you want to have a conversation about the way I handled myself and the way the page is being handled, feel free to message me directly. Friend me and message me directly, and I'll have a conversation with you. I did with a bunch of people, and it always turned out. Well, because by the time I got those messages, my head was cool and their head was getting cooler as the as the, the show was receding into their memory and we're able to have a conversation. And that's that's why that's why this group is special, because we will listen to each other and have a conversation it doesn't turn into a screaming match or, a you know, you don't like my podcast. How's your podcast going? You're ugly. You know, that whatever, kind of whatever you do, whatever you do. Don't ask Mike this week how his podcast is doing because it's been a tender week for Mike. 
in his other world. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit at the end. Uh, it, it really has. It was a tense week uh, in podcasting for me, and it had less to do with LRB, even though you know that was a little stressful on Monday when that show came out. Um, less to do with that and more to do with the uh, takedown that I, um, I'm just wrapping up. So, Bobby, do you have any more LRB business, or should we get to the week in review? No, not at all. I'm I'm simply imagining what people with real problems and issues in their lives go through versus <laughs> what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> a couple of white guys. That's right. All right. Uh, Monday, episode 1887, Never Do Anything Out of Hunger. Of course, this is a quote from True Detective. Um, let's get into that for a, a second right now. Are, do you watch True Detective? And have you, uh, if so, have you seen the uh, season opener? Nope. There's my one second. <laughs> okay. Um, I hear the yeah. first season is really good. I, it's one of the things, one of the many things back on my list that I will eventually get to. Uh, but from what I could hear from True Detective Season 2 so far from Luke and Andrew and outside of TBTL, I do consume a little bit of other media. Um, I'm not holding my breath for it. Yeah, the only thing I, I really wanted to say about it is um, somehow... Um, Matthew McConaughey last year was able to pull off some of the lines that they made him read. And he did it in, I guess, just the only way that he can. I mean, he, he there's something magic about that guy right now. And so he can get away with saying certain things. But now they have these other actors on here. And you know, the, the line that was the title of the show was embarrassingly bad and Vince Vaughn had a lot of embarrassingly bad lines and I don't know even if McConaughey could have pulled these off these what I should I, I'll put this in context for you Bobby because I know you are a uh, you're you're a cop procedural guy you're uh, what's what's your jam this, one of those CBS shows yeah generally speaking uh, if it's a crime committed in or around the Navy I'm interested <laughs> those thousands of naval murders that are going on every year. So you're a big NCIS guy. Um, I have seen some NCIS and I think the writing on NCIS is probably a little bit better than at least in the first episode of uh, true detective. But of course it looks fantastic. All the money they spend on it, you know, it shows up. So it's engrossing enough to keep going with, but yeah, I'm right on the page with those guys about that. And we may never speak of true detective on the show again. I don't know if Christy watches it, but I'm going to continue. There's just a certain thing about following a, f a successful first season. We don't need to go down a long road with this, but I'm secretly dreading season two of serial for the same reason. I think mm -hmm. the phenomenon can never be repeated. And true detective season one was such a phenomenon because the art of the miniseries is really coming back and right. uh, it won't be new and, and a different idea to us by the time a new round of serial or any of those other things comes back. It's just um, maybe a terrible season two will lead to a really well-worked season three. Yeah. Well, that's always, that's always the hope that, that uh, there'll be a comeback in quality, but I thought um, Monday show was pretty light in content. Did you find, find it that way? And, and what was, what was the biggest thing you took away? I think that just the conversation about the big picture of podcasting, actually a great transition from serial talk, was fascinating to me as a bit of a podcasting nerd. Uh, just the reflecting on Mark Marin having Obama on. And I think the note that I wrote down about that was Andrew wrestling with his jealousy about it and Genevieve, <laughs> Genevieve just shutting him down immediately on it, just reminding him that TBTL is nowhere near the scale of, of WTF. 
Yeah, I I wondered about the process behind the president appearing on that particular podcast. Um, is it? Do you think it was because he's the most Mark Marin now? I guess is the most legendary interview interviewer in podcast. He's sort of the the Larry King or whatever. If you you know, if you want to talk about an icon in in uh, a very young industry for an, for an interview, do you think that's why they went to Marin? I think so. I think it's because he's got the, you know, basically the top rated non um, news organization affiliated podcast. And because he is so well known for his interview skill and because there's a certain mystique. I mean, they didn't have to go out to the garage to do that interview, which I still haven't listened to, by the way. It's just another it's right above True Detective on my get to list. (laughs) All right. All right. But, um, you know, I think that that whole experience and then getting to tell the story of all of that was really something that made it more worthwhile than him sitting in an NPR bureau studio or bringing the microphone into the Oval Office. You know, he gets to sort of enjoy the whole thing. That's true, because if if they had done it off site from where Marin usually does his podcast, it just becomes another interview. It's just Mark Marin happens to be interviewing uh, Obama, and you can get it through this feed, but it, you know, it's a standard sit in the studio interview. But yeah, I think the, the, whatever little twist it had of him having to go to Marin's garage, like every other guest has had to do, was it made it more interesting. And, and I have heard the interview, and it is pretty fascinating. Is there it a really 40, is. is there a 45 minute section where, Obama talks about the part of his childhood that broke him and that's why he's funny but never complete emotionally. <laughs> that's that would be about par for the course uh but no because he's not a comedian uh he had a he had a different different upbringing but what I was what I was glad there wasn't was the usual uh, on WTF the unlistenable first 25 minutes when Mark Marin talks about himself. You can't podcast alone. He has he has like the He's at the pinnacle of podcasting, yet no one has ever told him, don't ever sit alone and talk. I actually was uh, wondering about that. There's going to be a whole group of people out there, more listeners than WTF has ever had before, who won't know the dates for Mark Maron's upcoming show at the Scottsdale Laugh Factory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, you know, they haven't been to the merch store, the online mer- merch, WTF merch. Uh, yeah, that was a, that was an interesting story and, and it was, you know, this better than anyone, Bobby, because you're a true snoop and historian, but you, you remember when Marin was on TVTL before he was start, he had even started his podcast asking for advice, right? Scraping together anything he could on what is a podcast? How does one podcast, et cetera? Yeah. Yeah. And here he is. He's all grows up. (laughs) <laughs> yes. And he's got Obama and uh well, you know, we got Susie Burbank on Friday, so that was a that was a get. Personally, as far as you know, royalty and kings and presidents goes, I'll take Susie anytime as a as a matriarch. So the only other thing I want to make sure that we talked about on Monday, we talked a little bit about it before we started recording tonight, and that is uh on Monday I don't know whether the escape murderer's underwear was found over the weekend or it was found on Monday, but there was news breaking about the escape murderer's underwear. And you have some fresh 
That's a terrible word for this, but you have some fresh insight to that as of tonight, as we record on a Saturday night. What is that? What is that insight? Yeah, there's nothing fresh about this. Uh, they reported that they found the escape murderers underwear and uh, some other things that contain some DNA. And that was the news last weekend. Uh, what was recently just in the last few hours announced is that underwear was taken off for a severe and irreversible reason. Oh no. Uh, at least into the situation and uh, means that they had at the time. Uh, as it happens, uh, the murderer whose underwear they found has, has now been killed and he was not in the greatest of health at the time. Uh, mm. We, we had theorized last week that these guys were probably hiding down somewhere in a seasonal camp. Yeah. And my guess is that they were eating and drinking whatever they could find. And, Food left over, perhaps from the previous season, wasn't the best option for the <laughs> for the inner workings of these criminal sure. masterminds. Sure. Well, well, let me ask you this because I didn't I didn't read the story. I just saw the headlines. Um, did they find underwear from both of the gentlemen or just the one who ended up getting killed? I didn't dive into the details on these. You didn't. You uh, didn't. But I. No, sorry. I oh, believe, come on. I, I believe it was just the one who was sick, but maybe it was. It, I really don't know. Um, I will say the one that is now dead, the one that was shot, who had a shotgun and wouldn't put it down, and that's why they got him that way. Mm -hmm. um, he was also drunk when they got him, and the last cabin mm. he broke into had open liquor bottles left behind. And, you know, probably just due to a lack of options, I don't know if he just decided he was done and that's the way he wanted to go, or if perhaps he was struggling to find potable. Right drinking options and you know that's the one that you know never goes bad yeah i guess but that dehydrates you you know and boy what kind of a state of mind would you be in after after weeks just hiding out in the woods trying to eat stale food from a cabin you're you're flinging poop hammocks out the window it's what i mean this is not a glamour story there are a lot of people like my wife's best friend is fascinated with these guys and I can tell she wants this to be a really like romantic, daring thing. And it just seems like maybe there was a lot of intrigue while inside the prison. But once these guys got out, this seems like a really rough go. This seems like it's going to be just another guy in a spider hole who they're going to have to, you know, pull out and and put him back in, in prison. Right. If Louis C.K. was a convicted murderer and then had a plan to get out and climbed out through a manhole cover and the car wasn't there waiting for him, this would be an episode of Louie. <laughs> that would be a great episode of Louie. I would love that. Um, let's, uh, you, you had something about the sponsor? Oh, yeah. So uh, one of the spots that's been running this week, I'm really excited that Blue Apron is on board as a sponsor of TBTL. Um, and clearly Andrew and Genevieve are thoroughly enjoying it, but... Uh, one of these things they have to do is a bit of play banter between Luke and Andrew. And Andrew's really taken the lead on the Blue Apron spots, which I think is great. I think it cements him as this more of a co-host role than just as any kind of producer role. Um, but in this week's spots, uh, Luke mentions that there has not been any marjoram in any of the Blue Apron meals he's prepared. And my question is, has there been anything in any of the Blue Apron meals Luke has prepared? <laughs> He's been living in hotel rooms for like the last two and a half weeks or cabins or on the boat. They're apparently packing their house right now. They must be. Right. right. So right. Uh, 
I I find it hard to believe that Luke's actually preparing any Blue Apron meals, unless melted frozen pizza is a Blue Apron option I didn't hear about. Ha! <laughs> I forgot about the... He melted a pizza, Pape. And I can guarantee there was no margarine on that pizza. <laughs> well, there was. It was toward the side, but it, it melted onto the bottom of the oven. Right. But, burnt burnt margarine's a smell you never get out of your rental. Um, you, What you're saying is... is probably true but what luke is saying is also probably true because there has been no marjoram in anything that he's cooked exactly from blue he really, apron he he chose his words carefully yes. and i don't want to blow up his spot blue apron's a great sponsor Tens sure. have been posting their pictures of the really cool stuff they've been getting oh uh, yeah if i didn't work several nights a week if i thought i'd actually be home to do the cooking for blue apron i would give it a try so everybody go out there and use whatever offer code we're supposed to use and show them we love them. Right. Well, Emily has brought it up. Everyone, that's your first cue to drink. Emily has brought up the Blue Apron thing, but only in the context of me, you know, it like Genevieve with Andrew, only in the context of me cooking the Blue Apron meal for her, not in the context of I'd like to get that Blue Apron and cook us up something. So we're less excited about it in this household because I'm not on board yet, but there's there's no telling that I I might get involved at some point. They've they've queued in to our level of wanting nice things but not having the time or yeah. effort to prepare them. We really mm-hmm. need like Grubhub to sponsor TBTL. Right, right. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. Uh, Blue Apron just seems perfectly suited for white people that bought all the nice cooking equipment and never used it once. So it's time, you know, you get your package and get out all that, you know, hundreds, thousands of dollars worth of stuff that you bought and let's get busy. Seems like a way to make make all those purchases a little more worthwhile. As of me. this week, everyone in America is allowed to have a kick-ass wedding registry. So congratulations to Blue Apron. <laughs> right. Right. It's, it's going to be, it's going to float a lot of boats, this gay marriage thing for That's sure. That's right. Tuesday, 1888. Oh, what a feeling when you're standing near the ceiling fan. Uh, one of the longest titles in a, in a while. Uh, what I liked about, I mean, right off the bat, I love it when they do this. So I married an axe murder open. Um, it's the one where Anthony, Anthony, he's on one of your procedural shows. How do you pronounce his last name? LaPaglia? LaPaglia? Uh, I can. I, I have no idea. I'll be honest. Yeah. I, I'm only half watching when I watch those shows. They're wonderful <laughs> because that's the brain power you need right. to watch them. Right. You You don't miss hardly anything. Uh, yeah. When, when he's a cop and he wants, he wants everything to, you know, be like he used to watch a cops when he was a kid, the movie's good stands up. I've told stories before about, about crying during that movie and I, you know, come on. Yeah. So I have a soft spot for it. Andrew does a really nice job on those things. I give him enough of a hard time about stuff. I have to say his opens are amazing and I always enjoy him. Um, Luke, uh, Luke talked about Twitter again. He he loves to talk about Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I've wondered when he realizes he tweets something and then deletes it, but then tells the thousands upon thousands of people who download TBTL every day what he tweeted and deleted. I can't tell if he's seeking a consolation prize in that moment or if he just feels like once it's out of the bag, he's got to make sure it stays out. Yeah. Yeah, like he regrets it, but he doesn't quite regret it enough to just bury it, you know. Like, right? I, um, have you ever deleted a tweet? You're you're tweeting now, right? 
Well, I'm I'm tweeting occasionally. Mainly what I'm doing is for a long time now, I've had a habit of taking pictures of weird and stupid things that I see in the world just because they amuse me. And then every few months I purge my phone of hundreds of pointless pictures. Now I'm sharing those hundreds of pointless pictures with the world via Twitter at RLPape. So if you like pointless pictures and not a lot of political or social commentary, that's my Twitter feed. Okay, so you would you're just you're not making a lot of yeah a lot of controversial con- comments. You're just tweeting a picture of some some guy who has ridiculous rims on his car or something, right? Or an ironic license plate, or a, a mm-hmm. funny Chinese food restaurant sign, or whatever strikes my fancy at, at a given time while I'm out in the world. Um, you know, actually, I should just say for the real controversial, interesting topics. I post all my serious stuff at robertpape.com. There's actually a, a website for that. Yes, robertpape.com. I've been there. Check it out immediately. If you're somewhere where you can safely search that, just go go to robertpape.com. There's a lot of great content up there. Um, I've I've deleted tweets, but it, but like like um, Andrew, it's always been uh, grammar related or spelling related. Like, ugh, that's embarrassing. You know, you're trying to make some smart remark and then you. Make a grammatical error really yeah. undercuts. It's really bad. At least on Facebook, if you edit a post, it puts the edited down there, but most people don't notice that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Twitter, yeah, Twitter Facebook, it's all yeah, it's easier. Yeah. You got to get out of there. And, and and then are you going to come back with the same thing spelled right? Because that kind of looks lame. You know, it depends on how great it is. If it's like, oh, I really love this tweet, then you just do it again. But if it's if it's anything less than a seven, you're like, eh, no more. Eh, this one can die. Um, Luke dropped a bombshell on Tuesday. He is moving. And Pape, as somebody who um, has very much been able to track the movements of various <laughs> hosts and co-hosts and has always has the information and is always able to mail people things or get things to people, um, were you shocked about this move? I've been suspicious, as you've mentioned recently, uh, that something was afoot. I just wasn't sure what. I know Luke has been so busy, and even now he's jet-setting to Wisconsin to do a piece and all that. Uh, But it just Mm -hmm. seems like he hadn't been around much at all in Port Townsend lately, and I don't know if that's directly related to this or not, but I wasn't entirely surprised that news was coming. I was glad that it was simply this news and that it wasn't anything devastating or personal. Um, you know, this is unfortunate, but it's just a new opportunity for them. You know, they would have purchased something and rented something if they really, really wanted it to be permanent in Port Townsend. So they've tried it. And my good news for Luke, I wanted to mention this. I checked. Anyone can subscribe to the print edition of the PT leader and they'll mail it to you. So he can go anywhere and still get his favorite local newspaper. Oh, yeah. 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 Pape is always a big fan of, of anyone that will mail you things. Right, so. exactly. We'll get into that later because that comes back on Thursday's show. But, you know, I, I'm not <laughs> I'm not entirely surprised. I hope that they land somewhere fun and new and different and something that will make great content for the show. We ended up going PT cruising, what, twice maybe in two years. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we did all right. Yeah. Um, it, it just seems to come down to travel times. Uh, I, people that don't live in Washington state don't understand how far poor Townsend is from everything. It is up there. It is out there. 
And if if you are like Luke and you have to go to Portland like 20, 30 times a year, you got to go to Chicago 10 times a year, it would be just a nightmare to try to get to and from SeaTac. Uh, and also like when you're coming home late and then you got to drive from the airport to Port Townsend, forget about it. It it was never going to last, I think, just for that reason. But uh, I think they, they can probably find somewhere more reasonable, but still as, I don't know, bucolic or small town as they're, they're desiring. It's too bad it can't be Port Townsend. That is really more of a, a seasonal or a retirement community. And they knew that going in, but they thought they could try to make it work. It just, you know, it wears on you after a while. Well, I think the platonic ideal of Port Townsend was that you would be so removed from everything that he would spend more time focusing on the things he cares about. And in the last two years, what he's realized the things he cares about are these great gigs that he's getting and getting more of. And, you know, two years ago, he wasn't doing all this stuff with CBS. And, you know, he, right. could, he could be the next Mo Rocca in another year or two if he really wants to be. Uh, but he's going to have to live near an airport. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sacrifice that you have to make. Yeah. Or he, he could uh, learn to fly a plane. That sounds like something that Luke could do. You know, he's always undertaking projects and you yeah, know, we're well, always a little worried for him. He's got to build his first wooden boat and then he can move on to logging his hours. Uh, and Maybe Will right. can take him up at that point. <laughs> um, Pape, you ever listen to sports radio? I listen to a lot of sports radio. Um, it's more background noise for me. Uh, but there's nothing like listening to people yell to fill time, just <laughs> making up, you know, stupid debates about things just so that they have something to talk about, especially when we hit the long stretches where there's only one sport on or mm -hmm. between the gap of everything. Um, yeah. And TVTL had its taste of sports radio on Tuesday. I think uh, at least mm, one tenth of my life has been has been taken up by listening to people talk about whether Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame on sports radio. <laughs> That's conservative. Conservative. Yet TVTL dipped in on it and I couldn't it 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 really got to me because Luke uh being a gambler himself and you know being someone who's a fan of giving people second chances and and you know redemption. It doesn't surprise me that Luke thinks that Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame, but I don't really know if he fully understands the the ramifications of betting on your own sport or betting really betting on a lot of sports because you get involved with people who are taking bets on sports right and and those are the people who would have an interest in having you throw a game like the the gambling and stuff that happens on airplanes and on buses and in all the different ways that that athletes get between their games that's one thing cuz they're gambling with each other and it does lead to some like uh, violence and some some hard feelings between teammates i think gilbert arenas um former washington wizard player pulled a gun on somebody in the locker room over some gambling debts but trust me the game on the court was never you know, was never breached. It was not, nobody was ever worried that, that Gilbert Arenas or this other guy who he was gambling with were going to throw the game because they weren't involved with gamblers. They were involved with each other and their own gambling debts. So I think what Luke is missing is how serious it is to be involved with sports gambling when you're in sports. And that's really the only thing that I want to get off my chest about this. Did you, what, what are you always thinking when this Pete Rose debate comes up? I mean, what's your, 
what makes you want to call into to Mad Dog and? <laughs> <laughs> Why is Jim Rome burning when I'm trying to get on the line? Right. Um, right. You know, I, I had two thoughts. One was covered, uh, you know, by a listener email later in the week, I think, which was simply, yeah. that, you know, he's all over the Hall of Fame. If you actually go to Cooperston and take a look at... <laughs> you know, I've never been to Cooperston. Cooperston's I, I would delightful. Like, I'll go with you someday, I hope. Absolutely. You know, I'm only a few hours drive from there. It's just kind of yeah. a straight shot through uh, Connecticut and Massachusetts for me. I was actually, I'm trying to tell Luke that I hope I can get a bug in his ear. If he really wants to drive there next week, I'll meet him there for lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's there. He's just not in, you know, the rankings, the official listing of the Hall of Fame. He's one of the greatest men to ever play the game. Of course, he's recognized there for his abilities, but, you know, there are rules and they need to be followed and that needs to be right. respected. Uh, he just other- doesn't get one of those creepy bronze busts. Exactly, which I'm okay with. The other point that I wanted to, you know what they'll do is when he's dead, they'll make one for him at his card table in Vegas, and you'll be able to sit there. You'll get to be able to sit there and pretend to pay $10 or whatever to get his autograph. So right outside the, the, the forum, exactly. Caesar's Shop's uh, sports memorabilia store. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Pape, you, you say that Pete Rose is there in a lot of ways in Cooperstown. Well, very often he is actually physically there with that card table. Many, many weekends, I think, he sets up across the street from the Hall of Fame trying to make 10 bucks an autograph. The main reason I don't understand why is that he has to check that table every time he comes back and forth. He could just buy one and leave it there. I think they'd be okay with that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. The other issue that I had is just, you know, the thinking that it's okay because he always bet on the Reds. He never bet against his own team. There's a lot of decisions that need to be made as a manager about your roster, not just day to day. So if you bet on your team one day, you might be a little more eager to say, send in a pitcher who needs another day's rest. Yeah. Yeah. Or make someone play who might be hurt. Yeah. You could, you could really hurt people's careers. Right. You're going to make a lot of game seven decisions that you mm-hmm. wouldn't make on a random Tuesday night in the middle of a homestand, you know, just, just because the game, the season's long and you have to do a lot of preservation and a lot of, you know, and that's one of the reasons baseball can be so boring if you're not watching a very good game. And I love baseball and I can watch a lot of baseball, but you can clearly tell when they're holding back on someone because they need them tomorrow. And there are times when the backup catcher needs to go out and be your DH for a night and, you know. But when you have five grand on the game, you know, you got you to gotta put Johnny Bench out there even though his knees are hurting. That's right. Wrap him up, get some ice, get out there. <laughs> right. Right. And, and, you know, as someone who was heavily involved with sports gambling in prison, not just not just uh, us gambling on the pro sports games, but us gambling on the games that were going on on the yard – it's a dangerous thing to fuck with. Sorry, Aiden, but um, doing a lot of gambling on sports at any level in in any setting, not good, not good. So, yeah, kids, lay off. Um, Tuesday was a pretty pretty packed show. What else did you want to get into here? Well, I think it's interesting that they knew that I would be on the LRB this week and then chose to have an entire conversation about. Healthy fast food options. <laughs> it's yeah, as if was... I, I can't avoid the topic of fast food and snacking. Uh, it just comes to me. That was uh, that was 
uh, very unintentionally funny. Um, I mean, it was funny on its own, but it was also unintentionally funny segment because they're talking about all these all these options, and they're all shitty. Right. You know, these aren't <laughs> options. These are these are modifications on common sense. Really, I should eat less and perhaps order the salad. No fucking kidding. Sorry. Amy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, well, instead of getting the, uh, the bacon, um, just uh, get nothing and then an egg white and don't put any sauce on it. And there you go. Right. Pretend uh, the cheese doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. That'll take care of you on every one of them. I, maybe we're just lucky here in Austin, but there are a lot of restaurants where you can go and, and there are a lot of healthy, fresh, delicious options if you're trying to watch your weight or you're trying to you know limit your meat intake. There's no reason to ever go to a fast food restaurant and order any of these horrible items. Right. Uh, even if you can manage to stop at an apple sliceatorium. <laughs> I Instead thought it was of, Mr. Apple Sliceatorium, but yes, I guess excuse that, me. I think you might be right. Right. Uh, yeah, so here you go, guys. Let's give you the 10-second version of this so that you don't have to click through a bullshit ad on Lifehacker. Order less, don't order the fried food, <laughs> and only order the things that you would never generally consider getting through a drive-thru. Right. And if if in any way it tastes delicious, be very suspicious. People like to remember rhyme, so that's why. There you go. I gave him that one. If it's delicious, be suspicious. I think the most, I mean, I don't eat at Subway anyway because I I get a little choked up eating sawdust and I can't handle the mess that's left behind. But my, I think the most upsetting one was get the six-inch sub at Subway. Yes, ordering half as much food <laughs> will cut your calories down. You know, if you do that over a period of a year, you can really lose some weight, Bobby. Just or, half as you eat half as much food. I mean, someone should write a book about this. This is amazing. It's quite a revelation. Moderation. I'm on it. It'll be a it'll be a modest seller. <laughs> right. It'll be a New York Times modest seller. Um, Andrew talked about how intensely he eats, and I believe him because he's talked about it before. I believe that he probably is very much a head down, um, vacuum up the food eater. But but he did say something that struck a nerve a little bit. Um, that I have I have it in common, and definitely Emily has this. Do not touch her while she's eating. Like don't even like a little shoulder tap or a little rub. Like how you doing, darling? Nope. Nope. He, she'll have the same reaction that Andrew did when the homeless person tried to come up and get some money. He just shut down, beat it. Sure. That's, that's primal. That's, that's nature. We're born with that. And I completely understand it. It's, um, it's a protection moment. You know, it's sort of like not falling asleep on your back sprawled out when you're in public, you know, or, or in, in the woods if you're one of these runaway murderers prison break people you've got to sort of protect yourself and it doesn't surprise me at all that that's sort of built into all of us to some extent if you're not concerned when somebody's reaching at you or your food or coming close to you while you're reading there's something wrong with you you should be concerned 
Yeah, I think yeah, it's evolutionary. I think. Yeah. But uh, the the last thing I wanted to talk about on Tuesday, if you didn't have anything else, was um, Luke talking about doing the podcast from his boat, at least for a while, while they got settled into a new place. Um, you think that might be problematic, though? Well, I could think about that being problematic for several reasons. One, that boat may have to become their home, so there may be some background noise issues. Um, mm. That boat, I think the note was made that it would need a better lock or perhaps any lock, so maybe putting all of your broadcasting equipment in it's not a great idea. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm also a little concerned that he might just get a little too comfortable with that and um, just never want to get away from it. Mm-hmm. And we may end up having a homeless podcast at sea. <laughs> yeah. When I was a kid, um, one of my friends, one of my better friends, um, Doug Zapone, his dad lived on a boat and it was uh, it was down by Gasworks. It was on Lake Union. And I remember the first time we went to visit his dad, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And then each time I thought it was a little less cool until I realized his dad was living on a boat. And that <laughs> that for me was like, I wanted to tell my dad, hey, dad, I know you and mom aren't doing so well, but don't get a boat. <laughs> I don't want you living on a boat, dad. Right. If you took a van down by the river and then found a way for it to actually float on the river, you'd be living in a boat. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the there's one concern that you brought up this week that I want to I want to bring up as well. And Luke is kind of leaving himself wide open in this new society we're living in where people are really upset about like, you know, racist imagery and um, you know, there were two there were there was someone tonight who went up uh went up the flagpole in in South Carolina, I guess, and pulled down the the rebel flag they have up there. Right. But uh Luke's boat if we're recalling correctly, Luke's boat, I, he may have several wooden boats, but one of them is named the General Lee. Right. Luke's boat is on the front lines of the War of Northern Aggression in Washington State. Yeah. You don't see a lot of General Lee and uh, Confederate flags up in the state of Washington. You just don't see it. Um, I'm afraid if they do see it, he won't be able to get clean audio for his podcast because all the uh, kayaktivists will be <laughs> paddling around outside his wooden boat screaming, hell no, we won't go, or or Black Lives Matter. If we had any in Washington State, we would right. definitely make them matter. The, um, the orange paint job with the stars and bars isn't helping him either. <laughs> That's got to go. Yeah, so right, we, we um, had a, well, we had a conversation a while ago about renaming the boat, and he was... Not That's sure true. how he wanted to go about that, and I think we had mused that it would make a great listener contest. But at this point, I think, I think he just needs to uh, get that done as quickly as possible. Do you? I've never owned a boat, but do you have to have a name on the back of your boat, or just having your whatever numbers that the cops or coast guard can call in to find out who owned the boat? Is that enough? My or guess, do you have to have a name? My guess is that you don't need a name, but if it dies, it'll only go to boat purgatory. Mm. So yeah. we need to make sure this boat's going to heaven or hell at some point. And we all know that boat's ending up on the bottom of the Puget Sound. Well, the things it's point. seen, I mean, especially if Luke starts living in it full time. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah, it's it, it's going down. All right. Um, Wednesday, eighteen eighty nine. Doctors without boundaries. Uh, I don't have a lot on on Wednesday. Another light show. We had some real heavy shows this week and some light shows. Um, th- a couple things here. Luke Luke got himself. Uh, it, it wasn't an Apple Watch. It was kind of a Fitbit watch or something. Yeah. Did you get to catch the brand name of that thing? I missed the brand. I know he's he's talked about it since then, and I've seen other people post to the Stens page about the watch. It's it's some other brand. Um, I recently heard an interview with, uh, I think an interview with Kai Rizdal actually, uh, with the Fitbit people because they just went public this week or in the last week or something. And Fitbit, as they claim it, has become the Kleenex of these bullshit watches. Right, so, right. Because that's immediately what I wrote in my notes is Luke has a Fitbit watch. Right. So we'll just go ahead and call it a Fitbit, even though it's not right. whatever. Uh, and he's he's obsessed with it, and it's it's really annoying. <laughs> yeah. Well, the takeaway from this is, is similar to the takeaway from the fast food discussion. Um, if you can walk probably do that if there's steps instead of the elevator maybe do that if you can have carrie drop you at work and you can run home maybe do that the watch uh i don't know how necessary it is but if it if it helps at all though and people have the disposable income to buy these things then i mean it doesn't doesn't hurt me personally but i i find it silly yeah i will say wednesday did have its share more than its share of witty one-liners. And I think that's one of the reasons that you and I both love TBTL so much. Mm-hmm. We don't the need throwaway to lines are my favorite. Throwaway lines, right. Uh, the talk about the run sheet with Wednesday not having the Y on the end <laughs> just made me think that Luke is Ron Burgundy and will read whatever's put in front of him. Oh, shoot. I think I do that when I put together these run sheets. When I make a, when I make a mistake and I, and I, and I'm reading it while I'm doing the show, it's appalling to me. I'm so, this mistake has been here all week. Because there are other eyes on this run sheet, and it just it's embarrassing. Yeah, and there were others. Um, I really liked the joke about how beta firmware would be opening for Bela Fleck in the Fleck Towns. <laughs> beta firmware. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah. then the the note that we're hitting peak peak, and that we need to stop hitting peak things. And I'm as guilty of that as anyone. But we need to find a new mm-hmm. a new term to to express when something has hit its max. Now, people, There needs to be people on the front line of that because I'm still enjoying peak peak. So I'm not motivated, but you know, it could, it could be two weeks from now when I will not be enjoying it anymore. And I will appreciate someone have gotten ahead of it and gotten me something else. Right. So, I'm still enjoying peak peak, but, but yeah, I need, I need people out ahead. Like, you know how the people that put together the HGH and the steroids, how they're always a step ahead of the testing. I need that for language. Absolutely. And so when we're sick of it, the groundwork is already laid for something else we yeah. can co-opt and call our own. Right, right. We're not just fumbling around at that point. The problem is if we let it run too long, it's like using a Kardashian for a punchline. It's just stale. Mm-hmm. The um, the shit-talking doctors, sorry, Aiden, was on, uh, was on Wednesday. Um, boy, you know... They're playing that tape, and I'm like, I I bet these conversations happen all the time. Absolutely. How could they not? I'm I'm absolutely sure that they do, and I'm sure now suddenly there's going to be a lot of panic about that. I bet operating rooms 
we'll have a strict no cell phones policy search you make sure it's not on you now because yeah you know this is just well i mean i dr jim plays tbtl in the or Mm -hmm. can you imagine if someone was taping and just heard 20 minutes of tbtl out of context yeah and didn't know what a podcast was how many american pies is this surgery gonna be because i it's it's outpatient i gotta get my wife over here to to pick me up right um what else was oh the the watcher the the story about the watcher the guy i assume it was a guy right these were letters uh yeah so i as it happens earlier tonight we had just gotten back from a from a family cookout and we were flipping through the channels and we're cord cutters so we don't have a lot of options and uh inside edition came on and i knew it was a a slow week because inside edition had the shit talking doctors and the watcher mm-hmm. back to back is their stories oh, on wow. today's. Yeah. So the, the gig is that these people in a Tony part of New Jersey bought this relatively nice house. And before they even moved in, started receiving these super creepy letters from someone claiming that they were watching the house and that they were eager to learn more about the young blood that was being moved into the house. And this family has young children. So, it seemed like it might be a threat on the children. And these letters say that they've been watching the house for decades and decades and decades. And now the people who bought the house are suing the people they bought it from for not disclosing that there's a creepy guy stalking the house. Whatever happened to just walking over to someone's house and beating the holy shit out of them? I would say that it's the 21st century, except that these letters are coming through the postal service, I imagine. Yeah, I I just I can't imagine... If this was happening to my family, me not wanting to take matters into my own hands, I just the the first letter I'd be like, you know, I'll take it take it to the police. Second letter, you know, maybe we engage a lawyer. Third, fourth letter, you're, you're terrorizing my family. I'm going to let the judge decide how much time I'm going to do for for kicking your ass. Right. I mean, I've got a baseball bat behind the bedroom door. I imagine that you've got a framing hammer in your nightside table. Yeah, I'm not allowed to have guns, so I. I find a framing hammer is what I use most efficiently for killing people. Yeah. So it just, it's a little bit ridiculous. It's one of these things where it's hard to tell if it's real or if this is something that's been concocted to make something out of nothing or just invent something out of thin air. I honestly don't really care if it's true or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, Anything else on Wednesday? I see. So I see you have some some more notes. Yeah, the only I had two other notes. The first note is that AndyLovesFios.com is available. So if anyone's looking for a domain, RobertPape.com is taken, but AndyLovesFios.com is available. So get on over to Hover. Use code TBTL. Uh, that's not a thing yet, but maybe if we start, they'll start getting credit for it. And uh, spend your eight bucks if you want AndyLovesFios.com. And then I wasn't sure if we wanted to go into a digression about times we've been caught talking shit about someone. Um, I think everyone has been in that moment at some point where they just have put their foot either in their mouth mm-hmm. or so far up their ass. Oh, yeah. Uh, that it's just, you know, impossible what's to your, What's your best one? When did you really do something irreversible? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I've done so many that it's hard to pick one, but the first one that actually came to mind was actually a childhood memory. I was 
a ninth grader in middle school. That's the way that our schools were structured when I was in school. Me I was too. I was in the senior, you know, the final year of middle school. Yeah. Or junior high, I think they call it when they do it that yeah, way. Yeah, junior high. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was a budding student journalist, and I was getting ready to move on to the high school in Webster, New York, where I'm from. And I was with a friend who was a musician, and we were at a, a high school football game, very cliche, and then I was getting a ride home from his mom, and his mom just asks me, oh, so you do journalism, right? Have you considered joining the high school newspaper? And for some reason that I'll never understand, I just said, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I've heard it's not that great. You know, I, I don't know if I want to do that Uh-oh. or do other things. It's it's It may not be for me. I hear, you know, that the woman who runs it is a little controlling Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And, and is not the best. Yeah. You know exactly where this is going, of course. She <laughs> she was not only the advisor of my high school newspaper, oh, no. but also was my 10th grade English teacher. Oh, no. Oh, Bobby. Uh, did you end up working for her? Oh, yeah. Did you end up doing the we, paper? We repaired it. Of course I did. How, did, how else would I end up here? Um, we repaired everything, and it was all fine. It was just, you know... A misunderstanding and probably chalked up to hormones and teenage confusion. And did you find it out at the time, though? I mean, did she tell you that she was the, in charge of it, or did you find it out later? So no, what was no, the embarrassment? She let, she let me just run arc. my mouth the whole ride. I found out uh, oh, the next day. Um, I think her son was sitting up front and couldn't signal me appropriately to shut the fuck up. Yeah, these are the kind of things that yeah, when you can't sleep at night, you. You think about, and it's so long ago, but you're like, oh, if, I, if only I could just, uh, if I just said something different, oh, what an idiot. If I just hadn't slid that cop my driver's license. I have a lot of moments, like just momentary trip ups that I need to to recover from. And some of it is like even like Facebook and email related where I will send something to more than one person or send something to the wrong person. And there'll be some slight thing that I'm not happy with, you know, like maybe I portrayed them in this, just the, just the smallest thing bothers me and will bother me for a long time. So yeah, I, I cringe and I try to be so careful, but when you're someone like me who talks so much shit about people, it's really hard to, not to cross those streams sometimes. You are an asshole. That's absolutely true. <laughs> that's, um, that's so true. There should be a, a pop-up. Did you mean to click reply all? You know, yeah. that, that should just be built into all email software. Uh, any group texting, any anything like that. Or maybe maybe there should be a swear quotient. If you've got more than... X number of curse words, or if it's over a certain percentage of your email, maybe something just pops up and says, are you sure this is how you wanted to say this? Yeah. 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 A certain, uh, some sort of uh, program of decorum where it says, well, it, I understand you're this, you're good enough friends with Dave to use this kind of language, but you, you know, your mom is, it's in this group, right? Dude. Right, and then you can click send it. It's only going to Will McQuillan and only about Will McQuillan. Or oh, yeah, that bastard. Re- right, or revise it, or maybe just click uh, ask me in the morning. I'm drunk. Yeah, my mine would be, are you sure you don't want to put in any more derogatory language toward Will McQuillan? 
and then I'll I'll click yes or no and and react accordingly. But um, yeah, that's really that's really all I would need it for. So uh, Thursday episode eighteen ninety, just the frequently asked questions, just the facts. Luke is still excited about his Fitbit. Uh, we find out that Friday show is going to be a pilot. So let's talk about that for a second. When when he said that, I, I was thinking back to when he and Jennifer did a pilot, and I believe it was a half hour. That sounds that sounds right. I remember it was a couple of years ago, and I haven't heard it in a long time. If somebody had it and could dig it up, or if we could get it from Luke, that would be a fun thing to share again. It was not. Yeah. It wasn't a bad bit of radio. It was definitely. Um, TBTL meets NPR. There was definitely a strong push for it to be a little more organized and a little more on the broadcast clock. And when he mm-hmm. said that, I thought to myself, okay, so that's what tomorrow is going to be. Maybe, maybe we're going to be polishing this turd just a little too much. And I think that was the same apprehension a lot of listeners had. Um, but I'm yeah. also, ex- I was excited at the prospect that TBTL might get shared to a wider audience. Um, as, as he mentioned, we might be bumping into some people's favorite Irish music segments. If they get picked up in a weekend slot or yeah. the third or fourth rerun of <laughs> of uh, weekend edition or something, so you have to be if careful. You said, if you said if you were going to say Prairie Home Companion, uh, I oh oh boy, do I hate that! Show. But I'm not going to get into that. Um, the 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 pilot that they did with Jen, I was trying to remember how I even heard it. I, was it a secret show? Was it something sent out separately? Because it wasn't in the show stream, was right. it? No, it wasn't. If I remember correctly, it was a TBT Elathon benefit at some point. Right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense because, yeah, it was out there and a lot of people heard it, but it never really appeared for the widest audience. So um, if anyone knows how to hook that up, if anyone has uh, hit, did download it and has it, uh, we'd love to play it in this space. Um, and we will not ask permission beforehand because we don't like to be told no. Exactly. We'll just put it right in the stream, probably, right? We'll just yeah, record absolutely. a little intro for it and then run it as a bonus episode. Absolutely. Anything for a download. That's, absolutely. That's what we'll do. Um, Pape, you got name checked. <laughs> On Thursday, tell us about the context of that and how surprised were you to hear your name? Uh, I was honored, as always, to hear my name on the show. And I think we've gotten over the hump where I'm Bobby. I occasionally consider changing my Facebook name for good to Bobby. But as I've explained to people who know me, uh, I'm Robert at work and on my business cards and all that jazz. But when I get to know someone, they know I'm Bobby. And then when the office phone rings and I answer it because I work in an office of one person, it's always me. If they Mm -hmm. ask for Robert, I know it's a sales call or someone who doesn't know me. And if they ask for Bobby, I know it's someone I actually want to talk to. And so that's always been kind of my filter for incoming correspondence. And they called me Bobby. So I was really flattered by that. Um, and all of that knowing me was completely <laughs> eradicated by saying that I could write some sort of code because I have no right. fucking idea how to write any kind of code. Sorry, Aiden, but it was a little ridiculous. I think Luke is thinking back to how somehow someone managed to catroll him from within yes. his own iTunes. Yes, you did that. And that that was a, that was a cool trick. But some, someone did that. <laughs> yeah, it was me. Um a song had been mentioned on TBTL, but they didn't have it to play it. And so I emailed it to him being like, hey, if this ever comes mm-hmm. up again, at least play the damn song next time. 
and I had slipped about ten seconds of our favorite version of the Game of Thrones and theme he did song not into the middle it. of it. He did not play it. Just to, yeah, no, no. Uh, but it, it ended up being a sleeper cell. I yeah. I left it for dead. I didn't remember it happened. Yes. I literally cat rolled myself when he played the song. Yes, I like had a no year idea later, it was he's playing. So it was a uh, was it a. Yeah, it was an and, Usher song, I and think. here comes that cat roll, and uh, and boy, that was that that was probably the best one that Luke's been gotten with for sure. I love that one. Yeah, and so he thinks maybe that I somehow you know hacked his eye. I don't is that if that's even possible. Uh, but really, what happened was he must have opened the email that I sent him from uh, not my email account and and saved it even though he specifically said after it happened that he would never do that, which just affirms that Luke is someone who says he won't do something. Yeah, he definitely but likes to roll the dice once sure. in a while. So, hey, it was our win. I'm happy to be mentioned. Uh, uh, I'm also always happy to help them if they need something done. You know, <laughs> right. I'm a man who knows how to get things. You definitely but, are. Uh, You're a man who knows how to mail things, a man who knows how to get things. Here's here's my suggestion to you. Um this would be a, this would be a good prank. You know how uh, they are now inserting ads into all of the arc. Now that Infinite Guest is archiving the shows, there are brand new ads being. Every time you click on an old show, you'll get a brand new ad. That kind of thing. Okay, get into Luke's yes. iTunes and put yes. a little ad before every song that he has in his iTunes. Brand new ad for something. <laughs> You had no idea that TBTL was sponsored by Stamps.com. <laughs> yeah, Stamps.com, boy. Just put a little Stamps.com in front of every Free scale, it's everywhere everybody. else. $50 postage free. <laughs> um, That's let's right. Let's see, what else on, on uh, Thursday? Um, ben Affleck. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I want to come back around to the Port Townsend leader story first. <laughs> the actual reading of the story of this tug of war. So when I was in high school, I interned at my weekly town newspaper, Webster, New York has two weekly town newspapers, competing newspapers. And, uh, uh, one of them is essentially garbage just advertising now. And that's the one that I interned at. The other one has been around for over a hundred years and is still sort of plugging along in the 19th century. Um, (laughs) but when I was there, I totally understand where this story came from. Anything for a, an A1 banger, as they say, anything for a front page story, especially if you can find pictures to go with it. And why not this tug of war team remembering the past? Um, and if you actually go to the Port Townsend Leader website, uh, not only do they have the old black and white pictures of the team, but they got a picture of this 72-year-old guy they interviewed demonstrating how to tug a rope. Well, I think he's in a senior tug-of-war league. I think he's still active on the tug-of-war circuit. Well, you get a picture of a 72-year-old white guy just tugging on a rope with no background and no other people in it. You know, it's a dynamic shoot. Uh, I completely see where they're coming from running this story, and I completely see why Luke would want to keep his subscription Mm -hmm. to the Port Townsend leader. And and like you said before we came on, they will mail it. They will mail it. Yeah, absolutely. It's only like another twenty bucks a year or two. They're clearly not making money on that as a as a you know courtesy. No, you're service. not. You can't convince me of that. Paper people that own small town newspapers are rolling in money, 
rolling in it. <laughs> Clearly, you've caught on. I, I worked for the Buffalo News for about six months, and you know that paper's basically, uh, at least in part, owned by Warren Buffett. So they're, they're still profitable people. Don't be fooled. They're still making money, or they wouldn't keep printing them. But how much Buffalo News is there? Mo- the Buffalo's mostly extinct at this point. Ouch. As you saw, I took a lot of offense to a comment like that on Facebook this week. Buffalo is alive and well, thank you. We just no, I meant I meant Buffalo, players. not Buffalo. I meant oh, <laughs> see, I'm I'm quick to get sensitive about these things. I can't. Yeah, Buffalo news is just to make sure yeah, you use exactly. every part of it. Use it for the fish wrap. So I can't wait. I I want to visit Buffalo someday. In fact, I've never visited New York City. I'd rather visit Buffalo, and I want to do it on an eating tour with you, sir. I want that to be a thing we'll do. We will absolutely make that happen. I wouldn't have it any other way. And I know Luke's not listening to this right now, but I hope I can get in touch with him. He's going to be flying through Buffalo for his trip to Chautauqua, and um, which is an awesome place, by the way, the Chautauqua Institution. And uh, I want to make sure that he eats mm-hmm. and drinks in all the right places. So I'll, I'll send him an email, and yeah. hopefully he'll actually yeah. read I it. I mean, he's name-checked you now on the show, so uh, he knows. He knows who you are. Right. <laughs> um, what else did you want to talk about on uh, on Thursday here, where I'm going to try to pick up the pace a little bit? I cut you off on talking about Ben Affleck. I think we can do it in oh, a yeah. lightning round, which is essentially Ben Affleck learned that he is the ancestor of a slave owner, and then his people wanted it removed from the PBS show because he was embarrassed, and PBS gave in, and now everybody knows and of course he wanted it removed and of course they shouldn't have removed it and well i've watched that show a little stand. bit um and the problem here i think is that henry louis gates he 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 hosts that show but he doesn't seem very in touch with it it seems like you know he he sits down and gets the script and he's seeing it for the first time as he's performing it but he's a very very nice guy and I think that is might be what got in the way of this because Ben Affleck seems like a very nice guy. Henry Louis Gates is a nice guy. And one nice guy asked another nice guy not to out his ancestors as slave owners. And the other nice guy said, all right. And now people that are not involved in that equation, people that are not Affleck or Henry Louis Gates are all weighing in. And of course, they want the things the way they want them. Um but you know these guys made a decision, and I'm sure they feel bad about it now. And I don't think anything anybody would have thought less of Ben Affleck if he had just gone on that show and just said, "Wow, this is really sad. It makes me, you know, upset and angry." But for some reason, he chose the other right. way, which you know is one way to go. You know, ask him to take it off. But um, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not that mad at him about that because. You know, because it's not like an ambush, but they did look into your past and they found this thing and you certainly weren't expecting it. I I have a little sympathy for him, I guess. Yeah, I could see that. I think in a news week that was this busy, no one should care about this. No, exactly. Exactly. So so let's uh, let's move on. Um, Let's go to Friday, 1891. This is. <clears throat> where the really interesting stuff for us happened. This is Bros Before HR, and this was the pilot show. And as we were talking about how the the original uh, pilot that they did with Jen was a half hour, and it was uh, it was differently. It was just a different format than what they'd been doing at the time for TBTL. It had a lot of elements of TBTL, but definitely felt different. Friday's show did not feel that different. 
except for the fact that they had two guests, which rarely happens. Um, but they seem to keep the tone, you know, about what right. it is, which I think is a good thing when you do a pilot like this. Do you ever clean all day and then invite someone over to your house and ask them to excuse the mess? <laughs> I think I think that that's, that's what TBTL did on Friday, which is they yeah. sort of tightened things up a little bit here and there. And then they also just right. set they the bar as low as possible, which, right, which is great because if this does happen, no. they're not going to yeah, clean the house why, every yeah. week. Let people know who they're getting in bed with. Um, yeah, because they started with the story of Andrew and his smelly drains. So right away, we're very TBTL. Right. Is it a disposal or a disposal? <laughs> right. He doesn't have either one. So it doesn't matter how it's pronounced in Andrew's house, which makes makes the smelly sink, sink drain really problematic. Right. And the line chemicals that would make Rachel Carson cry made me laugh. And at least it was definitely an NPR level joke. I think that's the kind of joke that yeah. would go over really well. I could definitely see that being a Peter Sagal one liner on Wait, Wait. Right, right, and and then bring back the Elena Kagan T-shirt gun from Thursday. Oh my God! Also. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Luke is uh, headed to uh, Elkhorn, Wisconsin, to an adult summer camp. I guess this is becoming a thing, and they're doing a story on it for CBS this morning. If I understood that right, and our clip of the week is Luke telling a kind of sincerely sad story about his summer camp quote-unquote experience when he was nine years old so jeremy who is our producer tonight wake up and play this i never really got to do the summer camp thing when i was a kid mm. that was kind of for fancy people the things that were for fancy kids when i was growing up were um summer camp and ski school mm -hmm. you know ski school is where that you get on a bus every saturday they take you up to the slopes and those were the kinds of things that were way outside of my, uh, you know, financial kind of abilities as a one of seven kids in a in a family. Um, and so, the one time I got to go to camp, my dad is a sign painter, right? Mm -hmm. And he was painting the signs at a place called Camp Casey, and uh, in on the Olympic Peninsula in Washington State, out there near Coopville, Washington, and. Um, I went with him to help him do some of these signs. Mostly I think it was that my mom was probably like, this kid's on my last nerve. Walter, get him out of here. <laughs> I would go on a lot of work trips in the summer with my dad where I was quote-unquote helping. Mm -hmm. But really I would just hang out, and then I was excited because we got to go to Herfie's for a burger. That was my payment. I was usually paid in like a fast food lunch. I see. Is that, that's a so chain? We, Never heard of Herfie's. That was a local chain mm -hmm. in Seattle. Um, uh, so we were at Camp Casey, and – I am at this – I'm probably like nine or ten years old, and I'm helping my dad. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of like I mean, holding the paint roller or something for my dad, whatever. And the whole camp of Camp Casey is other nine, ten-year-old kids, and they are having the time of their life. They're running around. They're playing games. They're doing all this camp stuff that I was so jealous of and desperately wanting to be part of. But, of course, I'm in a way the hired help. Mm -hmm. I'm at the camp, but I am not of the camp. Yeah, And also, I was at the age where everything in the world embarrassed me. Mm -hmm. So, like, standing near my dad embarrassed me. Not getting to be part of the camp embarrassed me. 
our funky van, the entire side of which was Bondo that I had <laughs> sanded with a power sander because of confusion of what my dad was having me do one time, sanding out a small Bondo problem on the van. All of this was making me feel very self-conscious. And um, one of the counselors yells over at me, come on, camper. And I just say kind of meekly. And my dad had gone off somewhere. I say meekly, I'm not part of your camp. But he was too far away. The counselor couldn't hear me. He's like, come on, camper. (laughs) I was like, I'm not part of your camp. And then he's finally like, get over here, camper. And I yell in my little (laughs) nine-year-old, I'm not part of your camp. This is like the saddest story I've ever heard you tell. This is more like a story that I would tell. This is very much an O. Andrew story. <laughs> like you, I, I would hope that in this case, like you'd be like, you would just Burbank. You'd be like, you know what? I'm a camper for a day. And you would just go over there and you'd have a bunch of adventures with, with your fellow campers. And, and then uh, you'd sneak back into your dad's truck. Oh, man. I didn't have, I didn't have that kind of confidence at age mm. nine. Wow. Uh, I still don't know if I actually have it, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, it was it was... It, it it was scarring, and so I guess the good news is that tomorrow afternoon I'm going to be the guy with the friggin' TV cameras with me. So who's on top now, you're Camp Wandawega? You're still not a camper. Like, don't I'm still you get not it? part of their camp. You're still there to do work. I'm not even actually staying at the camp. I'm oh. staying at a Hampton Inn in Elkhorn, oh, Wisconsin. Man, your your goal for the weekend is to at least once say to somebody in a squeaky voice, <laughs> "I'm not a camper." You're right, though. I never thought of it, though. Uh, I am again in the camp, but not of the camp. Yeah, the wow. camp is sold out. The camp is totally packed. They said we'd love to have you come shoot some stuff. Unfortunately, we can't put you in any of the facilities. They're full. There is a Hampton Inn down in Elkhorn, which is where I'm staying. <laughs> You're going to be in a Hampton Inn in Elkhorn, like looking in the mirror in the morning, just saying, "I am a camper. I am yes. a camper. I am yeah. a camper." Well, Pape, when I was a kid, um, I did go to camp. I was uh, one of those kids that was in a small enough family and had enough uh, money to go to camp. I went for a few summers to Camp Orkyla on Orcas Island. And I went to a lot of basketball camps in the summer too once I got a little older. And the But the, he mentioned ski school in passing. And ski school is an interesting thing. You probably – you guys probably had that in the Northeast as well. Like it was on a Saturday morning – um, a lot of kids would just get their skis and get on the bus and they would be gone until, until that night. Um, did, did, was that sort of thing happening up in uh, New York? It was absolutely happening at my high school and actually at my college. Um, in high school, we had, a, it, there was no trying to call it school. We just had ski club and you paid a membership and the club mm-hmm. took the bus every Saturday morning. And you got to ride there and ride back. And I never did it because if the Winter Olympics has taught us anything, uh, winter sports are for rich white people. And <laughs> I was at best a middle class white person right. uh, living right. in an upper middle class suburb of Rochester, New York. So I never did that because I've, I've actually never downhill skied. I have no interest. I've, I've cross country skied a little bit. Um, I really consider the ultimate joy of skiing sitting in a lodge in front of a fire with a with a brown liquor glass and Mm -hmm. maybe a hot chocolate next to it or something um Mm -hmm. i don't even like the fashion i don't like the idea of having to do that much physical work to enjoy the benefits when i can just drink and light a fire pretty much anywhere Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I uh, my brother was a big skier, ski school, all that stuff, and uh, he was also a fantastic athlete in a lot of other ways. I guess he was a great skier. I never saw him ski because I didn't go up. Uh, you had to make a choice at a certain age when you lived where I lived, what you were going to do. If you were going to do something athletic on the weekend, you either you know joined up and played basketball, and that's where you were on Saturday, or you went to ski school. And by the time I got old enough to go to ski school, my brother had already, had already wrecked his knee twice skiing hmm. and made the decision easy. So I chose basketball and, and basketball ended up being the only sport my brother was never really good at because he never played. And it was the one that I was best at because I stayed home from ski school. And the one time I went skiing once in my life, I was in college and I went up um, with a group to Mount Hood. Uh, my friend had a condo in government camp, which is, you know, near the ski areas in Mount Hood. And we went up there and my friend Dave and I, we were both skiing for the first time and bigger fools we could not have been. We we went up on the chairlift and then we're it's dropping us off and we both just fell right down <laughs> as we're coming down off the chairlift. And then pretty much just fell down all the way down the mountain all day long. And there was nobody more tired than me at the end of the day, even though I had never actually skied for more than a few seconds. It's very hard to keep falling down and getting up for hours and hours on end. I was exhausted. You're careful. You're going to sound like a Smash Mouth song if you keep it up. Um, yeah, I can embarrass myself without wearing a ridiculous snowsuit, without having to be <laughs> in cold temperatures, without having to yeah. freeze my fingers and toes off. I can embarrass yeah. myself anywhere. I don't need to use a chairlift or get a pass. I mean, maybe handsome, beautiful, rich people need those challenges to embarrass themselves. Um, mm -hmm. But I think you and I, you know, relatively blue-collar, common guys, we can figure it out on our own. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm never worried about embarrassing my, myself. It's happening on a regular basis. So, um Anything? Do you have anything else about the uh, the the clip of the week, the story? I do just want to do something that we don't do very often. Once in a while, this show, the Week in Review, especially, has gotten some flack for being really critical of of TBTL, which is funny because we wouldn't recap a show we didn't love. Clearly, we love the show, and because we're so close to it, we can point out things and and run on things and think about alternatives. That, of course, Luke and Andrew don't get to because they're doing this show on the fly, and that's what we love about it. But Luke deserves some genuine credit for sharing this story. He usually sh he shares a lot of the sort of funny things that happen to him, and he puts a lot of thought into them. And, and this was sincere, and the way his voice cracks a little bit when he says, yeah. I'm not part of your camp, even, yeah. even now just telling the story. Um, yeah. This could easily, and I'm sure will become at some point, a live wire monologue because it's sincerely oh, touching, yeah. and and it'll spare everyone another milk defrosting in the kiddie pool. Like he's cooler now because he's going in with a camera crew, and you know he's getting paid, and but still, in a way, he's the son of the sign man because they told him he can't play their reindeer games, <laughs> right. You know what? Joke's on them, though. When they're going to be swatting flies and dabbing each other with rubbing alcohol and smelling nothing but smoke on their <laughs> clothes for a week, Luke's going to yep. be, um, you know, ordering a pizza to his room at the Hampton Inn and watching reruns of Forensic Files, and, and they, the campers, can go to hell. Uh, yeah, and I got to say, that sounds better to me. 
anyway. Just a reiteration, after Elkhorn, Wisconsin, Luke is going to the Chautauqua Institution, which is this awesome, old-fashioned little um, retreat land, basically south of Buffalo, where rich white people go and leave their cars and live in you know, nice little houses and at an inn and they go to lectures and musical performances and enlightening conversations all day for like weeks at a time. And it's something that we should all do if we can ever, you know, not go to work. (laughs) And I'm, I'm I'm very jealous that he's going because Sam and I have gone and just walked around for a day and it's kind of fun to look and see what it would be like if we had nothing but time and money. Yeah, it sounds like Luke is going on a real world tour of white people shit. Yeah, absolutely. A uh, few more things from Friday before we get to the what uh, the big reveal. <laughs> um, Chris Hayes, why the face? Uh, always <laughs> solid. <laughs> always solid. Emily pulled me over tonight. She just heard that. She she goes she goes she says Chris Hayes, and I go why the face, and she goes beautiful. It's just, just great the way he got that in. You know, of all the tens, he is in a better position to abuse his authority and influence for the good of us than yeah. anyone. And I love that he does it. I mean, it would be so easy for him to have to be serious in his job. And um, I just, I guess he's got to write another book now so we can just run through it with a highlighter. Right. Because that would be amazing. <laughs> Well, he's like Pesca in in the way that he's so quick that he can have a conversation with someone or an interview with someone and still be running on a parallel track. And this is one of those cases where he was he was running on a parallel TBTL track while talking to Mark Marin. And, you know, those guys are just sharp enough to pull that off. And that's why it's so funny uh, to me anyway, is is how fast these guys are. Absolutely. So. And speaking of Pesca, it's a really good thing for Luke. I mean, he lost anyway, as sporting as he is. Uh, but if the vexillology quiz about state <laughs> flags had been uh, with Pesca, he would have just, you know, wiped the floor with, with Luke on oh, that. Oh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> Come on, Pesca. That was his vexillology. That Louisiana flag, I, I've I've uh, married a couple women from Louisiana, and <laughs> the first time you see that Louisiana flag, uh, you have questions. You definitely have questions. Yeah. There, there, are, there, is a, there is a bird who has pecked herself to bleed for her kids on the flag. So that's your flag, Louisiana. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, I'll, I'll put that up at robertpape.com. <laughs> Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. RobertPape.com, check out the flag. Uh, but here's here's where here's we talked about at the beginning of the show. Old Jeremy has become a TVTL fan. And what cemented it, we got a very excited message from Jeremy on Friday. And so early, I didn't even know the show was up. Dare I say but apparently, giddy? Giddy. Yes. He was downright giddy. And the reason he was giddy was he had gotten he had gotten the show and listened to it so fast because he wanted to get to the other people's problems segment because I think the it was the previous evening he was asking us advice on how to send an, an OPP email, who to send it to, what was Walsh's email address, and the OPP ended up being Jeremy and his work situation, so. Just to refresh people's memory, 
the problem presented was Jeremy works at a very small nonprofit and he found out a couple days in advance that his very good friend who had gotten him the job at the nonprofit a year previous was going to be fired. And he did not tell this woman that she was going to be fired. She didn't find out till she came in, you know, when they were having the official conversation. And then she took everything out of her office except for gifts that Jeremy had given her. And it was so heartbreaking. It was a picture of, I think, Jeremy, Christy, and Ellie just sitting there on an otherwise empty desk. And such a heartbreaking image. And Jeremy's a sensitive guy. And he's really hurting over this. And he... They, they all came to the conclusion they thought he'd made a mistake by not telling her in advance that she was going to be fired. Uh, Bobby, where do you fall on that? I'm really conflicted about this, actually. We've talked to Jeremy a little bit about this since the, his OPP aired, and we made the decision before jumping into this uh, episode of LRB that we would go ahead and use his name, uh, even though it wasn't used, because you're all going to keep it between us, right? The the hundreds and hundreds and tens of you listening. Um, yeah. It's tough because my first instinct was actually closer to that of he, he really couldn't say anything, you know? It's such a tough thing to bring up. And yep. to come in and say in advance, hey, you're going to be shit-canned tomorrow. I swear I had nothing to do with it. If I was on the other end of that, I would be incredibly skeptical anyway, because mm-hmm. like, why do you know? How are you involved? Right. And, you know, something struck me. Um, I know that after this person was let go, Jeremy was burdened with a lot of work regarding sort of transitioning some of that person's stuff over back into the company. Um, I think changing of passwords and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if he had had a lot of notice and he was really in on the planning of all of this, he's a smart enough guy that I think he would have had a plan in place to deal with yeah. that more in advance. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like he was a mastermind behind moving in and then eliminating everyone in his path to the top of his little nonprofit. Mm-hmm. But I can see how hard it would be to go to that person. And so as much as maybe we look back and say, Jeremy should have told her. I can totally see where he was coming from not being comfortable doing that. And so I, I just feel bad for him. I mean, I've always felt bad for Jeremy just for myriad reasons. Right. Um, but, but this time it really, it tugged on my heartstrings. I, I feel bad for the whole situation. I'm really hoping they can mend fences. The version that was told on the air on TBTL was a little shortened for the sake of, of, you know, keeping it sharp radio. Mm -hmm. But, um, They've been in foxholes together before and taken care of each other before. And this this person really actually helped Jeremy through some really hard times. And uh, it's a shame that this is coming between them now because there was really something special there. It wasn't just some acquaintance. Well, I I stepped back and I looked at it from a business and career perspective for Jeremy. If this company made the decision that they're going to let this person go – whether or not you're friends with them is is sort of irrelevant in the context of how the business is going to move on. And if you only have a couple days, like you mentioned before, that if you if you knew like a month, two months, three months in advance that they were going to do this and they were going in this direction and you could impart something to her and let her, you know, um, make it easier for her to, to transition out of there. 
but that wasn't the situation. The only things that that could have happened if he had told her a day or two in advance of her being fired were probably going to be pretty bad because as it was, she made some, some wild move. They needed to get her laptop. They needed some information from her, you know, just, uh, and if Jeremy had told her in advance, that stuff would have been even more difficult because, you know, what if he tells her and then she just never comes back into work? Right. It's, it's a tough deal, but I, I believe he made the right move and I would have, I think I would have made the exact same move and I would have immediately, as soon as I found out that she was going to be fired, start figuring out how I was going to mend fences with her because, and now he's in that position and of course they gave him some, some advice on that and, and that's, that's fine. And if anyone can get through this, it'll be Jeremy because he's a sensitive guy and, and he, he earnestly wants to work it out. But I disagreed with all of them about telling her. And I know you sound like you could go either way. No, I I think I disagree with them. I mean, it sounds really great to be like, no, you need to tell your friend. But I think that was really reactionary. And Luke and Andrew are both nice guys. And I bet if you asked just Andrew without Luke, that maybe he would have fallen a little more our way or Mm -hmm. at least been a little more generally cautious about it. But but Luke was being Luke, and they also have the benefit of it being a hypothetical situation for sure. them. And mm-hmm. I think this OPP was one that's really hard to answer. I think the real OPP here is not what should I have done, because there's no real way to look back at that. Yeah. The, the yeah. question here was, you know, what should I do now? And I think the advice there was the most valuable part. Like you said, yeah. uh, Jeremy, if anyone has had practice rebuilding life relationships after bombs, it's Jeremy, and he'll do great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, so Susie Burbank was on for that. I hope uh, she becomes a semi-regular thing. That would be nice. She was really pleasant. It was, it's always nice to hear from her and her cheapskate ways, for sure. That's As right. a cheap man, I, I really appreciate Susie <laughs> Burbank. <laughs> and her latest chapter of that is going to be cheating her way into the Lord. Oh, man, that whole thing sounds unappealing. Cruise, God, all that. <laughs> I would be I would just jump off. I could not do it. Yeah, I, it's certainly not for me. Um, but, you know, she's looking for insights for living ministries. And her opportunity to do that is on this cruise to Alaska. And uh, well, I don't necessarily agree with trying to slip into these things or, or I guess I can't imagine myself ever wanting to. Um, I do think that the conversation that transpired between her and her son about the right way to do that was pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. That was a runner up for a clip of the week. Definitely. Did you have anything else for the weekend review? No, I think that's it. Um, yeah. As you mentioned, having two guests on was a little much for one episode. Um, but if they're always guests of the caliber of Chris Hayes and Susie Burbank. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it could be a welcome addition. Absolutely. So housekeeping, only one thing. Uh, if you are a stand who wants to meet other uh, stands, Little Red Bandwagon listeners, the get together is on July 11th, seven o'clock at the Irishman in Everett. Um, uh, Bobby, do you want to uh, tell us how to get involved tonight uh, just to break up the, the clip clop voice machine? Yeah, we can spare everyone. That's no problem. Uh, you can certainly find us online, as always, at littleredbandwagon.com, on Facebook at Little Red Bandwagon. 
uh, and also on Twitter, Little Red Bandwagon, or it's LRB Podcast, I believe. Uh, yeah. And then the, the personal Twitters, you as always, are at Drew McFrizz. Uh, uh, Christy, unavailable to us tonight, but always available to us on Twitter at Kissy Eyes, K-I-S-S-I-E-Y-E-S. Damn, you're uh, better at that than me. God and damn, she, you're better. She at that just than told me. the adorable story behind that name on Saturday's show. So if you yeah. haven't listened to that yet, go back and, and give it a look. And why don't you do uh, your lovely wife so that we all have to drink again? At Joy Stealer. That's Emily's uh, account, at Joy Stealer. And she's been stealing a lot of joy lately. You should really, really get behind that. Yeah, she crushes it regularly. That's pretty great. I'm posting those ridiculous pictures uh, at RL Pape. And, of course, uh, Jeremy, who we don't plug nearly often enough. Uh, but if you like uh, his other person problems or just love space news, you can follow all of that at, at Dadstronaut, D-A-D-S-T-R-O-N-A-U-T. Uh, oh, right. There's more. Email. Email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Email us if you have thoughts about the show. If you want to be on the show, go back to littleredbandwagon.com and fill out the form for the Saturday shows. We're always looking mm -hmm. for new people there. Leave us a voicemail or shoot us a text at 802-432-8285. That's 802-432-TBTL. And then we've got a little bit of follow-up on our sister podcasts. Do well, you want to do TDP? Yeah, let's do that first. The Takedown Podcast uh, is winding up. That is the project I've been doing with fellow 10 Matt Baca for the past two years. We've done 114 episodes, the last of which we recorded last night. And it was more or less a roast of us and our listeners. And it's going to be a lot of fun. It should be coming out in approximately a week. Um, what we're putting out um, this morning is an, actually an old Nerd Out Loud, Jeremy and Christie's podcast. We're putting it out through the takedown feed uh, because it was an interview with me. And I can only imagine it was about prison because I never shut up about prison. So uh, if you want to hear about some prison, uh, go to the Takedown Podcast feed and listen to that old nerd out loud. And our, our finale will come out next week. So, um, Pape, you, you were reading up on what Nerd Out Loud just came, up, just came out with? That's right. I know at least as much as Christy usually does about the latest episode of Nerd <laughs> right. Out Loud. Um, right. They brought back a previous friend of the show, Chris, who is an ultra marathon distance runner they run like a hundred miles or something um in this event the western states 100 endurance run often called the super bowl of ultra marathons i've heard chris on the show last time he was on nol he is incredibly thoughtful and interesting so definitely he's a funny guy too he's pretty yeah funny. exactly um about as funny could... about as funny as a long distance runner as i've ever heard it's Just a pretty low it... bar but 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 yeah he's funny dude Right out of my mouth, you son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> also, Jeremy checks in with Jesse Dolamore, who also has his own podcast, uh, having a chat about uh, pol politics and debate in the Internet age. Oh, and the, every the time, pipes on that guy. The pipes. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah he's definitely got a, he's got a voice so smooth, you will get over your generally disagreeing with his conservative <laughs> mindset. So Jeremy and Jesse, always a good conversation when Jesse stops by. Right. It's like a coating on a bitter pill. It's it's uh it, it helps the conservatism go down. Exactly. All right. Um, I am in the process of booking Stu Bot Stewie Newman for next week's um uh Saturday show. So 
hopefully that comes through and, and y'all can, can look forward to finally, we'll have someone who came on board listening when the IG started and we can get his impressions about that. To me, that's the most interesting part of it as well as him being a funny guy. He did a great job co-hosting. So, um, I'm really looking forward to that. Bobby, um, you, you read his blogs and stuff like that, right? Yeah. I think it's great that he has found a full-time outlet for his wit and charms, yeah. um, you know, and this will be a really good fit for him and for us. It's he's a, for a professional podcast listener. Most of us are at best semi pro he's mm-hmm. getting paid. And so his insight on the show since he's new and also in the perspective of his sort of professional level critiques, mm-hmm. I think will be really interesting. And his take on the fandom too. That's, that's another thing I'm, I'm interested in. So, um, Bobby, I'm going to wrap it up tonight. Usually, usually Christy does. All I'm going to need from you is after I do my signature sign off, I'm going to need, um, I nailed it from you. We've never gotten one from you. Have we, have we? I don't think so because, uh, we hadn't really picked that up when I was on the show last. Yeah. So yep. I hadn't even thought about it. Well, that was an oversight. Are you ready to wake up your wife with a nailed it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm ready to turn up the knob on my mixer to make it sound like I did. All right. Do it. Do whatever you got to do, buddy. But until next time, uh, Jen, I love you. Nailed it.